Hello, Christina Simmons here, and just a friendly reminder for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, that if you want the full-length episode of this podcast, make sure to go to anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and you can find that episode, especially like on Spotify, Apple, and any other podcasting platform. So again, if you want the full episode, make sure to jump over there, and I hope you enjoy. So our food for the head. It comes from St. Francis of Assisi. He says, Pure holy simplicity confounds all the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of the flesh. So one of the things that is really difficult to do in our society today is how do we, you know, judge and evaluate knowledge? And with all the kind of contentiousness, you might say, among the different media outlets and where it doesn't seem like you can find a place where it doesn't have like a slant to it, right? They don't have like a hidden agenda that's there. So it's difficult at times to be able to evaluate knowledge well. So it's like, should I judge knowledge based upon who it is that shares it with me? You know, so some influencer or a, you know, a famous person or um, a well-respected person in their field, a doctor, etc., depending upon what the knowledge is that we're trying to evaluate. Um, or should it be because it came from my friends or my family or, you know, so it's always about trust, isn't it? But St. Francis gives us the insight that we need in order to be able to evaluate all knowledge. And that is by using simplicity. Not our simple human simplicity, but rather pure, holy simplicity. And where do we find that kind of simplicity? Well, we find it in the Word. We find it in the presence of God. This is where we will find this pure and holy simplicity. And I oftentimes will use the analogy about putting on eyeglasses, the, you know, the eyeglasses of the Lord in the sense of being able to see and to hear how God sees and hears. So this is how we become simple. Jesus tells us that we need to be simple as doves and as cunning as wolves. And the fact is, it's cunning as serpents, sorry, because there's wolves among us, so apologies about that. But the fact is, is that simplicity is the key. So the standard definition of simplicity is the quality or condition of being easy to understand or do. And this is good for us to be mindful of, because true wisdom is no different. True wisdom is clear, is concise, and it's direct. CCD. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Catholic Confraternity of Doctrine, okay, has those initials, but also back in the day, our catechism, our religious education, our formation was also called CCD. Well, when we're truly spreading the good news as it should, it should be clear, concise, and direct, shouldn't it? But I digress. But true wisdom is like this. It's easy to understand, and it's easy, not necessarily easy to do, but we know what we are to do. And if we are truly 
pure of heart and mind and soul, then we will have pure and holy simplicity as well. So how do we get to be pure of heart, mind, and soul? Well, it's about the four steps that I talk about. It's about rooting ourselves in the truth. And we have to begin by doing that with daily prayer and meditation. We root ourselves in the truth each and every day. We spend time with the truth. And who is the truth? What is the truth? Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is what we need to be about. Jesus continuously would speak and he would do things that are filled with pure holy simplicity. They would totally confound people, wouldn't they? Because true wisdom does that. He would confound those who were considered wise in the world during his time, particularly the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even Roman officials. He would confound them because he was speaking true wisdom. And he was speaking it with pure and holy simplicity. And when our world is confronted with that, it's confounded. But we don't have to be confounded. We need to try and not be lured into trying to be wise in the eyes of the world, but rather seek to become pure and holy and simple. Because when we do this, then we'll be able to confound the world just like Jesus did by our words and our deeds. Our food for the heart. This comes from the sermons, actually, of St. Alphonsus Liguori. And I love St. Alphonsus. And here he writes, If then we wish to persevere and to be saved, for no one can be saved without perseverance, we must pray continually. Our perseverance depends not on one grace, but on a thousand helps, which we hope to obtain from God during our whole lives that we may be preserved in his grace. Now, to this chain of graces, a chain of prayers on our part must correspond. Without these prayers, God ordinarily does not grant his graces. If we neglect to pray, and thus break the chain of prayers, the chain of graces shall also be broken, and we shall lose the grace of perseverance." First time I was reading this, it brought to mind, you know, you'll, lots of times, uh, they're not so frequent now because of the advent of social media, but you still have those chain emails that are out there, right? Where it's, you know, usually it's a beautiful story or, you know, something um, to that nature, something uplifting. And they'll be like, um, oh, you know, uh, pray for this person or this intention or whatever. And then, you know, pass it on to 14 people and you'll receive a blessing, you know, uh, don't break the chain. And the fact is, is that the idea of a chain email can find its roots in what St. Alphonsus here is saying, which is the fact that we need to be praying continually. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be walking around muttering to ourselves in order to be praying. Prayer is simply conversation with God. So do we need to be walking around having conversation with God throughout the day? Yeah, we do. 
Now, our times of prayer are going to look a little bit different, perhaps, from what the conversation is going to look like when we're going about our different chores and tasks of the day. Um, and so often we forget that because prayer is a conversation with, with God, and it's a conversation with a friend. Jesus calls us his friends. So it's about how do we spend time with friends? Sometimes we sit down and we have that deep conversation, don't we? Which is what our daily prayer and meditation should look like. We have, you know, perhaps we have a cup of coffee and we share about our day and we get into some really deep questions of our day. And a great way to begin that kind of conversation with God is rooted in his word. And, you know, I do that through uh, using the gospel of the day from the liturgy of the day. So whatever the mass readings are to do the mass readings, but really focus upon the gospel and the conversation that comes from that gospel. At other times, we're just going about doing things with our friends, right? So, you know, really good friend is somebody that, they just like to hang out with us and go do whatever it is that we're doing. So they go to the grocery store and it might be, hey, could you help me find, you know, this or that or whatever? Or can you go get some, you know, bananas for me or, you know, but a friend is just present and they're there. And the conversation isn't necessarily this deep and profound, you know, experience, but rather it is lived relationship. It's lived friendship. And this is a kind of conversation that we should be having with our Lord throughout the day. Of where we're asking him to be present in the midst of our work. Of where we can call upon the Holy Spirit, for example, to help us do a particular task. So like I'm doing this podcast and to ask the Holy Spirit to truly inspire me. To share words of wisdom of holy simplicity with each of you who are listening so that you receive the nourishment that you need to be encouraged and inspired as I accompany you in our conversation on the journey towards holiness. So I'm not actively praying as people you know would necessarily think but I am calling upon the Holy Spirit that's for sure. So he's present here with me and I've asked Our Lady to be present, to be able to ensure that whoever it is that needs this podcast, that she is interceding for them and making sure that somebody else is going to get it into their hands if they themselves don't get it themselves. So it's in this way that we're able to be praying constantly. And it's also important for us to remember that without us doing this, God usually doesn't grant us his graces. It's not a, hey, pay me these prayers, put in a coin in a, you know, in, a, in, a, in a slot and pull the lever and we get the graces. That's not how God works. But rather, it's about how badly do you want this? How important is this in your mind and in your heart and in your soul? Are you willing to sacrifice and this is what we're about because prayer without sacrifice usually doesn't come to much. Does it count? Absolutely. 
all prayer counts if you want to kind of, you know, be looking at it in kind of a litigious way. But the fact is, is that our Lord is desiring for us to be in relationship with him. And this is what this chain of graces is about. And when we break this chain, we're not necessarily breaking it with God, but we're breaking it within the communion of saints. And you know what they say, that any group is only as strong as the weakest link. So we don't want to break this chain. We don't want to break this chain of prayer and care and intercession for all the people of the world. We don't want to break that because when we do, then we lose the capacity for us to persevere because the chain got broken. So it's one of the greatest challenges that we have in our spiritual life is perseverance. And we need to pray continually, not just so we don't break the chain, but also that we're able to persevere. And because we are persevering, then God gives us those graces. So it's about the perseverance, not necessarily about the prayers. So we have to continue to pray. We have to continue to this chain of prayer so we can keep the chain of graces flowing. And many times, you know, when I feel like my own prayers aren't having an impact, I'll get frustrated. But that's exactly when I should be redoubling my efforts. That's exactly the moments when we should be redoubling our efforts, especially of sacrifice, of our willingness to set aside a few moments to be able to intercede for someone who can't intercede for themselves. So if you're struggling to persevere in your prayers, then pray for the very grace of perseverance that you need in order to pray. Our food for the hands comes from St. Maximilian Kolbe. And he says, Any manifestation of love among creatures does not come before God unless the Immaculata has purified it of all its imperfections, unless Jesus has raised it up to an infinite value and therefore made it worthy of the majesty of the Heavenly Father. Many times we neglect to step out and do something for someone just because we feel it's not sufficient for us to respond to the need that's before us. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that, you know, so you see a person in need and, you, and you're like, I only got a dollar. Well, that's not sufficient to help them, so why should I do it? But this is what Jesus asks of us. He asks for us to provide whatever it is we can and to trust that he's going to take care of the rest. We see this numerous time in, in his miracles of where he'll ask his disciples or he'll ask the crowd, for example, of what is it that you have in order to take care of this need? And then he will take what we have to offer our little bit. So, for example, five loaves and two fish, and he takes it and he makes it abundant and it cares for the many. So, in this way, we need to also be willing to trust that even when it seems in a worldly way that there's no way that what we are providing is going to be enough that we trust that God is going to take care of it this is what we have to model we have to model number one the humility to know that this is way beyond way beyond our capacity to deal with 
So then we humbly come before God and say, Lord, this is a lot bigger problem than I can take care of. So I'm bringing it to you. And then what I want to do is I want you to take care of it from there. So it's something that we need to always be attentive to. We need to be attentive to the fact that we need to humble ourselves before God. And then we need to ask God to take care of it. And how does God take care of it? Well, Jesus models that for us too. He gives thanks and then he gives all that he has to the crowd. Suddenly the insufficient is sufficient. So when we are in union with Jesus and we're working with Jesus and through Jesus, Jesus makes whatever is insufficient, sufficient. But what happens when we don't try? What happens when we are convinced that the problem is just too big? Well, then we're kind of showing our lack of faith. And we're denying ourselves and God of being an instrument for good. So when we say, God is too big, you know, I'm not going to do anything, then we deny ourselves the opportunity to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit. We deny the person who we might have helped or the situation that we might have made a little bit better. We deny those people who are involved the opportunity to experience the grace of God's care and love for them. And of course, we deny God an opportunity to work in the world. But we got to remember, nothing is too big for God. We just simply have to show up with our loaves and fish and then let him take care of the rest. And how does God do that? Well, St. Maximilian Kolbe gives us a glimpse of what he does. He uses Mary's intercession to purify our offering and then Jesus's sacrifice that he made for us on the cross to ensure that whatever we do out of love is truly worthy of our Heavenly Father. And that's how we're able to bring our loaves and fish in humility and how we're able to allow God's grace and his power to do miracles. Our food for the feet comes from St. Catherine of Siena. She writes, very pleasing to me. Sorry, this is what Jesus spoke to her and she wrote down. Very pleasing to me, dearest daughter, is the willing desire to bear every pain and fatigue, even unto death, for the salvation of souls. For the more the soul endures, the more she shows that she loves me. Loving me, she comes to know more of my truth, and the more she knows, the more pain and intolerable grief she feels at the offenses committed against me. This is something that I struggled with and I struggle with still is the fact of I will feel great sadness and pain, um, even suffering um, at the offenses that I see that are committed against our Lord. And I'm not judging people. That, that's not what's going on. Rather, it's a great sadness 
that they don't know the joy of living in union with our Lord. It's very sad to me that so many people are going about their lives and they don't realize all of what they're missing. And I struggle with that because I'm like, well, I should be doing more. And that's where we have to remember that it's about our willingness to, be, to bear that pain and that suffering for the salvations of souls. You know, that's what we're supposed to be about. It's about our willingness. And then God will call upon that from time to time. So, for example, one of the biggest things I tried to do with my recent shoulder surgery was in the midst of the, the healing, and I'm still doing that, I'm still doing physical therapy, um, is to give all of that pain, all of that discomfort, all of that lack of sleep and lack of being able to do things the way I want to do them and go where I want to go because I couldn't drive for six weeks, etc. To offer all of that for those who can't themselves. For those people that are not able to go someplace and they don't have somebody who can drive them to uh, be willing to offer up my sleepless nights or just you know uncomfortable nights for people that that's their cross that's what they constantly are dealing with and to offer it so that they can be drawn closer to our Lord so you know, the other piece of this is sometimes we can all struggle with the fact that this is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to him that we bear every pain and fatigue. That the more that the soul endures, the more she shows that she loves me. I mean, this, this is the words from St. You know, Jesus gave to St. Catherine. And it's like, Jesus wants this? That he wants us to bear pain and fatigue. He wants us so that we can show that we love him more. Isn't that kind of sadistic? Isn't that proof? At least this is the worldly perspective. Isn't that proof that God doesn't really love us, but rather he's a very cruel and vengeful God? No. Actually, nothing could be farther from the truth. Because the truth is that love is painful, isn't it? Oh, we talk about how wonderful love is and, you know, and, and how wonderful it feels, etc. And that, that's true. But love, true love, a love that's willing to lay down its life for another, that's pretty painful. How many of us, though, wouldn't be willing to suffer ourselves if that meant that someone we love wouldn't have to suffer as much? As a mom, I can tell you right now, some of the most difficult times in, in my life have been in watching uh, my son suffer. That's been the hardest thing. And I would willingly take on that pain and that suffering rather than seeing them struggle with it. That's what's going on. Or how many of us have chosen to endure the pain of ostracization or persecution because we're protecting the reputation of a friend, for example. 
someone's gossiping or someone's sharing an untruth and we step in and even though there might be a crowd or you know kind of is moving against you and you say no this isn't how this person is you're mistaken and then we experience that persecution don't we or again how many of us have stayed up in the middle of the night comforting a struggling friend although we might have had you know a major presentation at work or might have had an exam if we're a student, whatever, the next day. We knew that there would be a cost, a price, but we were willing to do it. These are all examples of different ways that we willingly bear pain and fatigue out of love for others. And when we do this, when we do this, we open ourselves up to knowing more of God's truth. And then this increases our capacity to be able to bear more pain and grief but especially helps us become aware of the offenses that are being committed against the very one who loves us beyond measure. It's this kind of love that pleases God, not the pain and suffering. So this is why we have to strive to continue to grow in love each and every day. Not because God wants us to experience pain or suffering but because God wants us to become like himself which is love personified and each of us is called to be that person of love and mercy in the world to all those whom we encounter so that they too can experience the love of the one who loves each and every one of us beyond measure Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, all so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs today. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. This is Christina Simmons, your host, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. I am focusing upon some inspiration and encouragement for your week that is rooted in the idea of how it is that we can do what Jesus asks of us in a particular way to be able to be his instruments of service to others and also how might we respond so that miracles can work through us. How might we get better at being able to respond to Jesus's question about where can we get enough for those who are looking to us for answers, for guidance, for assistance. And the fact is, is that he asks this question, not just of his disciples, but of each of us today. So I wanted to share how it is that I am able to do this in my own life, but also how you might be able to do it in your own. So I hope that you enjoy this episode, 
and super excited to see you on the flip side. Hello, Christina Simmons here, and just a friendly reminder for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, that if you want the full-length episode of this podcast, make sure to go to anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and you can find that episode, especially like on Spotify, Apple, and any other podcasting platform. So again, if you want the full episode, make sure to jump over there, and I hope you enjoy. So our food for the head. It comes from St. Francis of Assisi. He says, Pure holy simplicity confounds all the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of the flesh. So one of the things that is really difficult to do in our society today is how do we, you know, judge and evaluate knowledge? And with all the kind of contentiousness, you might say, among the different media outlets and where it doesn't seem like you can find a place where it doesn't have like a slant to it, right? They don't have like a hidden agenda that's there. So it's difficult at times to be able to evaluate knowledge well. So it's like, should I judge knowledge based upon who it is that shares it with me? You know, so some influencer or a, you know, a famous person or um, a well-respected person in their field, a doctor, etc., depending upon what the knowledge is that we're trying to evaluate. Um, or should it be because it came from my friends or my family or, you know, so it's always about trust, isn't it? But St. Francis gives us the insight that we need in order to be able to evaluate all knowledge. And that is by using simplicity. Not our simple human simplicity, but rather pure, holy simplicity. And where do we find that kind of simplicity? Well, we find it in the Word. We find it in the presence of God. This is where we will find this pure and holy simplicity. And I oftentimes will use the analogy about putting on eyeglasses, the, you know, the eyeglasses of the Lord in the sense of being able to see and to hear how God sees and hears. So this is how we become simple. Jesus tells us that we need to be simple as doves and as cunning as wolves. And the fact is, it's cunning as serpents, sorry, because there's wolves among us, so apologies about that. But the fact is, is that simplicity is the key. So the standard definition of simplicity is the quality or condition of being easy to understand or do. And this is good for us to be mindful of because true wisdom is no different. True wisdom is clear, it's concise, and it's direct. CCD. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Catholic Confraternity of Doctrine, okay, has those initials, but also back in the day, our catechism, our religious education, our formation was also called CCD. Well, when we're truly spreading the good news as it should, it should be clear, concise, and direct, shouldn't it? But I digress. But true wisdom is like this. 
it's easy to understand and it's easy not necessarily easy to do but we know what we are to do and if we are truly pure of heart and mind and soul then we will have pure and holy simplicity as well so how do we get to be pure of heart mind and soul well it's about the four steps that i talk about it's about rooting ourselves in the truth and we have to begin by doing that with daily prayer and meditation we root ourselves in the truth each and every day we spend time with the truth and who is the truth what is the truth Jesus he is the way the truth and the life and this is what we need to be about Jesus continuously would speak and he would do things that are filled with pure holy simplicity they would totally confound people wouldn't they because true wisdom does that he would confound those who were considered wise in the world during his time particularly the Pharisees the Sadducees even Roman officials he would confound them because he was speaking true wisdom and he was speaking it with pure and holy simplicity and when our world is confronted with that is confounded but we don't have to be confounded we need to try and not be lured into trying to be wise in the eyes of the world but rather seek to become pure and holy and simple because when we do this then we'll be able to confound the world just like Jesus did by our words and our deeds our food for the heart this comes from the sermons actually of St. Alphonsus Liguori and I love St. Alphonsus and here he writes if then we wish to persevere and to be saved for no one can be saved without perseverance we must pray continually our perseverance depends not on one grace but on a thousand helps which we hope to obtain from God during our whole lives that we may be preserved in his grace now to this chain of graces a chain of prayers on our part must correspond without these prayers God ordinarily does not grant his graces if we neglect to pray and thus break the chain of prayers the chain of graces shall also be broken and we shall lose the grace of perseverance first time I was reading this it brought to mind you know you'll lots of times uh, they're not so frequent now because of the advent of social media but you still have those chain emails that are out there right where it's you know usually it's a beautiful story or you know something um, to that nature something uplifting and they'll be like um, oh you know uh, pray for this person or this intention or whatever and then you know pass it on to 14 people and you'll receive a blessing you know uh, don't break the chain and the fact is is that the idea of a chain email can find its roots in what Saint Alphonsus here is saying which is the fact that we need to be praying continually 
Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be walking around muttering to ourselves in order to be praying. Prayer is simply conversation with God. So do we need to be walking around having conversation with God throughout the day? Yeah, we do. Now, our times of prayer are going to look a little bit different, perhaps, from what the conversation is going to look like when we're going about our different chores and tasks of the day. Um, and so often we forget that because prayer is a conversation with, with God, and it's a conversation with a friend. Jesus calls us his friends. So it's about how do we spend time with friends? Sometimes we sit down and we have that deep conversation, don't we? Which is what our daily prayer and meditation should look like. We have, you know, perhaps we have a cup of coffee and we share about our day and we get into some really deep questions of our day. And a great way to begin that kind of conversation with God is rooted in his word. And, you know, I do that through uh, using the gospel of the day from the liturgy of the day. So whatever the mass readings are to do the mass readings, but really focus upon the gospel and the conversation that comes from that gospel. At other times, we're just going about doing things with our friends, right? So, you know, a really good friend is somebody that, they just like to hang out with us and go do whatever it is that we're doing. So they go to the grocery store and it might be, hey, could you help me find, you know, this or that or whatever? Or can you go get some, you know, bananas for me or, you know, but a friend is just present and they're there. And the conversation isn't necessarily this deep and profound, you know, experience, but rather it is lived relationship. It's lived friendship. And this is the kind of conversation that we should be having with our Lord throughout the day. Of where we're asking him to be present in the midst of our work. Of where we can call upon the Holy Spirit, for example, to help us do a particular task. So like I'm doing this podcast and to ask the Holy Spirit to truly inspire me. To share words of wisdom of holy simplicity with each of you who are listening so that you receive the nourishment that you need to be encouraged and inspired as I accompany you in our conversation on the journey towards holiness. So I'm not actively praying as people you know, would necessarily think, but I am calling upon the Holy Spirit, that's for sure. So he's present here with me. And I've asked Our Lady to be present, to be able to ensure that whoever it is that needs this podcast, that she is interceding for them and making sure that somebody else is going to get it into their hands if they themselves don't get it themselves. So it's in this way that we're able to be praying constantly. And it's also important for us to remember that without us doing this, God usually doesn't grant us his graces. It's not a, hey, pay me these prayers, put in a coin in a, you know, in, a, in, a, in a slot and pull the lever and we get the graces. That's not how God works. But rather, it's about how badly do you want this? How important is this in your mind and in your heart and in your soul? 
are you willing to sacrifice? And this is what we're about. Because prayer without sacrifice usually doesn't come to much. Does it count? Absolutely. All prayer counts. If you want to kind of, you know, be looking at it in kind of a litigious way. But the fact is, is that our Lord is desiring for us to be in relationship with him. And this is what this chain of graces is about. And when we break this chain, we're not necessarily breaking it with God, but we're breaking it within the communion of saints. And you know what they say, that any group is only as strong as the weakest link. So we don't want to break this chain. We don't want to break this chain of prayer and care and intercession for all the people of the world. We don't want to break that because when we do, then we lose the capacity for us to persevere because the chain got broken. So it's one of the greatest challenges that we have in our spiritual life is perseverance. And we need to pray continually, not just so we don't break the chain, but also that we're able to persevere. And because we are persevering, then God gives us those graces. So it's about the perseverance, not necessarily about the prayers. So we have to continue to pray. We have to continue to this chain of prayer so we can keep the chain of graces flowing. And many times, you know, when I feel like my own prayers aren't having an impact, I'll get frustrated. But that's exactly when I should be redoubling my efforts. That's exactly the moments when we should be redoubling our efforts, especially of sacrifice, of our willingness to set aside a few moments to be able to intercede for someone who can't intercede for themselves. So if you're struggling to persevere in your prayers, then pray for the very grace of perseverance that you need in order to pray. Our food for the hands comes from St. Maximilian Kolbe. And he says, Any manifestation of love among creatures does not come before God unless the Immaculata has purified it of all its imperfections, unless Jesus has raised it up to an infinite value and therefore made it worthy of the majesty of the Heavenly Father. Many times we neglect to step out and do something for someone just because we feel it's not sufficient for us to respond to the need that's before us. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that, you know, so you see a person in need and, you, and you're like, I only got a dollar. Well, that's not sufficient to help them, so why should I do it? But this is what Jesus asks of us. He asks for us to provide whatever it is we can and to trust that he's going to take care of the rest. We see this numerous time in, in his miracles of where he'll ask his disciples or he'll ask the crowd, for example, of what is it that you have in order to take care of this need? And then he will take what we have to offer our little bit. So, for example, five loaves and two fish, and he takes it and he makes it abundant and it cares for the many. So, in this way, we need to also be willing to trust that even when it seems in a worldly way that there's no way that what we are providing is going to be enough 
that we trust that God is going to take care of it. This is what we have to model. We have to model, number one, the humility to know that this is way beyond, way beyond our capacity to deal with. So then we humbly come before God and say, Lord, this is a lot bigger problem than I can take care of. So I'm bringing it to you. And then what I want to do is I want you to take care of it from there. So it's something that we need to always be attentive to. We need to be attentive to the fact that we need to humble ourselves before God. And then we need to ask God to take care of it. And how does God take care of it? Well, Jesus models that for us too. He gives thanks and then he gives all that he has to the crowd. Suddenly the insufficient is sufficient. So when we are in union with Jesus and we're working with Jesus and through Jesus, Jesus makes whatever is insufficient sufficient. But what happens when we don't try? What happens when we are convinced that the problem is just too big? Well, then we're kind of showing our lack of faith. And we're denying ourselves and God of being an instrument for good. So when we say, God, it's too big, you know, I'm not going to do anything, then we deny ourselves the opportunity to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit. We deny the person who we might have helped or the situation that we might have made a little bit better. We deny those people who are involved the opportunity to experience the grace of God's care and love for them. And of course, we deny God an opportunity to work in the world. But we got to remember, nothing is too big for God. We just simply have to show up with our loaves and fish and then let him take care of the rest. And how does God do that? Well, St. Maximilian Kolbe gives us a glimpse of what he does. He uses Mary's intercession to purify our offering and then Jesus' sacrifice that he made for us on the cross to ensure that whatever we do out of love is truly worthy of our Heavenly Father. And that's how we're able to bring our loaves and fish in humility and how we're able to allow God's grace and his power to do miracles. Our food for the feet comes from St. Catherine of Siena. She writes, very pleasing to me. Sorry, this is what Jesus spoke to her and she wrote down. Very pleasing to me, dearest daughter, is the willing desire to bear every pain and fatigue, even unto death, for the salvation of souls. For the more the soul endures, the more she shows that she loves me. Loving me, she comes to know more of my truth, and the more she knows, the more pain and intolerable grief she feels at the offenses committed against me. This is something that I struggled with and I struggle with still is the fact of I will feel great sadness and pain 
um, even suffering um, at the offenses that I see that are committed against our Lord. And I'm not judging people. That, that's not what's going on. Rather, it's a great sadness that they don't know the joy of living in union with our Lord. It's very sad to me that so many people are going about their lives and they don't realize all of what they're missing. And I struggle with that because I'm like, well, I should be doing more. And that's where we have to remember that it's about our willingness to, be, to bear that pain and that suffering for the salvations of souls. You know, that's what we're supposed to be about. It's about our willingness. And then God will call upon that from time to time. So, for example, one of the biggest things I tried to do with my recent shoulder surgery was in the midst of the, the healing, and I'm still doing that, I'm still doing physical therapy, um, is to give all of that pain, all of that discomfort, all of that lack of sleep and lack of being able to do things the way I want to do them and go where I want to go because I couldn't drive for six weeks, etc. To offer all of that for those who can't themselves. For those people that are not able to go someplace and they don't have somebody who can drive them. To uh, be willing to offer up my sleepless nights or just, you know, uncomfortable nights for people that that's their cross. That's what they constantly are dealing with. And to offer it so that they can be drawn closer to our Lord. So, you know, the other piece of this is sometimes we can all struggle with the fact that this is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to him that we bear every pain and fatigue, that the more that the soul endures, the more she shows that she loves me. I mean, this, this is the words from St. You know, Jesus gave to St. Catherine. And it's like, Jesus wants this? That he wants us to bear pain and fatigue. He wants us so that we can show that we love him more. Isn't that kind of sadistic? Isn't that proof? At least this is the worldly perspective. Isn't that proof that God doesn't really love us, but rather he's a very cruel and vengeful God? No. Actually, nothing could be farther from the truth. Because the truth is that love is painful, isn't it? Oh, we talk about how wonderful love is and, you know, and, and how wonderful it feels, etc. And that, that's true. But love, true love, a love that's willing to lay down its life for another, that's pretty painful. How many of us, though, wouldn't be willing to suffer ourselves if that meant that someone we love wouldn't have to suffer as much? As a mom, I can tell you right now, some of the most difficult times in, in my life have been in watching uh, my son suffer. That's been the hardest thing. And I would willingly take on that pain and that suffering rather than seeing them struggle with it. That's what's going on. Or how many of us have chosen to endure 
the pain of ostracization or persecution because we're protecting the reputation of a friend, for example. Someone's gossiping or someone's sharing an untruth and we step in and even though there might be a crowd or you know, kind of is moving against you and you say, no, this isn't how this person is, you're mistaken. And then we experience that persecution, don't we? Or again, how many of us have stayed up in the middle of the night comforting a struggling friend? Although we might have had, you know, a major presentation at work or might have had an exam if we're a student, whatever, the next day. We knew that there would be a cost, a price, but we were willing to do it. These are all examples of different ways that we willingly bear pain and fatigue out of love for others. And when we do this, when we do this, we open ourselves up to knowing more of God's truth. And then this increases our capacity to be able to bear more pain and grief, but especially helps us become aware of the offenses that are being committed against the very one who loves us beyond measure. It's this kind of love that pleases God, not the pain and suffering. So this is why we have to strive to continue to grow in love each and every day. Not because God wants us to experience pain or suffering, but because God wants us to become like himself, which is love personified. And each of us is called to be that person of love and mercy in the world to all those whom we encounter so that they too can experience the love of the one who loves each and every one of us beyond measure. So what might be some resolutions you could take from our conversation today? Well, the first is for you to persevere in your prayer. So whatever it is that you need in order to become more faithful or more diligent or more attentive in your prayer time, to make a resolution to do that. It might be that you've been very faithful to 15 or 20 minutes. Well, have you been attentive during that time? Perhaps you make a resolution of where you say, Lord, I want to be attentive during my time with you to be listening for your voice. Also talked about how it is that we can be responding with whatever it is that we have, even if it might not be quite enough. So make a resolution to go ahead and offer whatever it is that you have, regardless of whether or not you think your response is going to be sufficient. And finally, talked about sacrifice. So this week, resolve to offer up at least one sacrifice each day, simply out of love for God. And no one has to know about it but God. But make at least one sacrifice. Could be not having a piece of chocolate, or it could be the lack of coffee, or could be that you make a phone call to someone that you don't necessarily want to talk to. But make a sacrifice. Hey, Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness here, and I just wanted to take a moment to let you know about a unique opportunity that's going to be happening the week of October 25th through 28th, and it's the Fully Alive 
workshop. And the workshop is focused upon how it is that you can pursue holiness in the midst of achieving worldly success. It's really about focusing upon how you can live out your faith and continue to strive to walk in holiness while pursuing to the fullest of your ability, your passions, your gifts, so that you can achieve holistic success at work, in your home, and within your faith community. So this is something that I myself have been striving to do for many, many years, and I have discovered a set of tools that were used by the saints, and I want to share those with you, and it's a part of what is at the foundation of my own Say Yes to Holiness Apostolate. So make sure that you go to www.sayyestoholiness.com and sign up for the Fully Alive workshop today. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes or message me through the Say Yes to Holiness Facebook page at Say Yes to Holiness through my website at www.sayyestoholiness.com or send an email directly to me at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we have begun here. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we continue to tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation again with you soon.